0: DJ and PK, time to welcome in Alex Schiffer, Brooklyn Nets rider for The Athletic. Alex, good morning. Good morning, guys. How's it going out there? It is going well. It sounds like it's going better than it's uh, going in Brooklyn. The Dinwiddie news was bad. Now Kevin Durant is out for a week. The team has lost 4 of 5. Are guys just uh, rolling with it? Or is this uh, causing a little bit of stress early in the season?
1: I definitely think the latter. You know, talking to some guys after some of their recent losses, you could tell that they're still trying to learn how to play without Dinwiddie, and that he was one of those guys that maybe his numbers weren't the most flashy, especially after Durant and Irving got healthy. But he really helped them in a lot of different ways that maybe the box score didn't tell. And now, obviously, they have to go without Kevin Durant, who, you know, he looked like his old self even though he doesn't really want to go there yet. And – I mean, you can't really replace a guy like him. I mean, it's going to be by committee, but, you know, it's it's Kevin Durant.
2: So, in the interim, does this uh, spell a bigger role for Karis LeVert?
1: I think so. I'm curious to see if they start him tonight or they go with a, a forward like Torian Prince off the bench I- instead. But I think that him, Kyrie, the centers definitely have to take on more of a scoring burden. I mean, it's. I think the thing that really hurts them more than the scoring right now is the rebounding because they, they really, Washington killed them on the glass. They haven't been good offensive on in offensive rebounding, and, and some of the defensive rebounds they've lost have really cost them in games. And Kevin Durant was averaging 10 rebounds over his last three games, and he, he kind of made it an emphasis to help out the big men more. So that's really the, the void that I think, obviously the scoring they're going to miss too, but That's the other department that I think they're really going to need to scramble in and, and, you know, have all five guys crash the glass and do it by committee for sure.
0: You know, the Jazz brought back the majority of the team, even the new guy, Derek Favors, is a guy who was here, you know, just a year ago. Uh, So not having much of a preseason – isn't that big a factor. They probably would have preferred a bigger one, but it seems like it would have been really necessary for Brooklyn. You got a new coach, you got a new star player in Durant, you got the normal turnover down the roster. Does this look, does it pass the eyeball test when you're watching it, or does this still look like a bunch of guys trying to figure it out on the fly here?
1: Oh, it's it's definitely the latter. You know, they've struggled with turnovers too, and you could just tell that they're still getting acclimated to one another. And, some of the, the passes they've made are just careless, and and they look like a team that, that is still trying to find themselves and, and kind of get everybody's preferences. You, know, you mentioned Durant, but Kyrie Irving only played 20 games last year. There were guys that are still trying to get adjusted to him too because he was only around so much. So I definitely think they could have used a longer training camp and, and preseason, but as they've said when you've asked them about it, Every NBA team is dealing with the same deck of cards right now in that, in that sense, and, and it's not really an excuse for them because other teams have found a way to make it work early.
2: I'm interested in the dynamic of the coaching staff. Obviously, you've got Steve Nash, who doesn't have any head coaching experience, or really, he's done some work, but not as not as a full fledged assistant on the bench. And you got Jock Vaughn, who was there last year as the interim guy, and then you got the Suns connection with Stoudemire and D'Antoni. How's that dynamic all playing out?
1: Yeah. So when Nash first got the job, Vaughn was. Um named his top assistant immediately and is in charge of the defense and then Dantoni joined and he's the offensive coordinator and uh and then Emu Doka, who was is one of the top assistants around the league. Um he he's kinda of helped out on both sides. Stoutmar is more on the player development side. He he looks like he could still play honestly watching him warm up. He looks like he's in good shape. And Nash has, you know, he kind of leans on both Vaughn and D'Antoni uh, to kind of see what, what they're thinking on things and having sat in the head coaching chair before, you know, to, to kind of talk about uh, the greenness of Nash. The, uh, in one of the preseason games, he challenged the call, and I asked him why he did that. and He, he said, he goes, you know, the coaches told me before the game that, um, you know, you haven't challenged the call yet. You should do it to get a feel for how that works. So they just decided at one point during the game he was going to challenge a call regardless of how you know, uh, how, how bad it looks like the refs got it or not to kind of just see what that process is like. So I, I think that it's, it's definitely, even though Nash is the head coach, he's definitely getting a lot of input from his assistants and, and seeking advice. And, and, and he hasn't been shy about how green he is, too. You know, you ask about his, his timeout philosophy because I'm still working on it. So he hasn't shied away from him being a rookie head coach and everything, but it's 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 definitely shown at times.
0: So it's New York. There doesn't tend to be a lot of patience. Uh, this is a team that's had a bad week and a half, and the star is out. What is the kind of runway here for getting this together and getting on a roll? And how quickly will people snap at this team?
1: It's a good question. This year, obviously, with COVID, is so crazy, and, and I mean the Durant stuff. You know, Kevin Durant is still registering antibody tests. He had the virus in March. the The NBA rules don't care whether or not you had the virus before. If you come in close contact, you're out a week. So, some of this stuff is out of their out of their hands, even with the shortened training camp. But um, I, I think that the players have, have preached being patient and that this isn't going to come together overnight i think right now as long as they make the playoffs all as well but it's it's really going to come down to what they look like in the playoffs and how far to run they go i think the expectation should be to make the conference finals their first year together with all this if they can do that i think that going into next year there's a high expectation they can really pull this whole thing off but I think it's just so early and you look at some of the way the other team have started. Milwaukee isn't starting off that great. The Sixers, I think have the best record in the East right now. So I, I think that, I think right now there is patience, but I, I do think that there is some, some concern with, with the way Nash has been as a coach early on. And yeah, it's funny. I had a reader comment to me saying that uh, Durant's quarantine last night means that they're going to be a lottery team. I think that's, I think that's, that's a button that, that isn't even on the table right now, let alone push uh, to push. So I think it's too early to push the panic button, but I do understand the concern.
2: I'm interested in the dynamic between Durant and Irving, and you know, these guys that uh, have had a fair share of drama maybe Irving a little bit more. But as I was watching that game the other night against Washington, right at the end of the last possession, it was like in my mind there was no doubt that Irving was going to take the last shot. Now it turns out that Durant, they got an offensive rebound and he had an opportunity. But I was wondering how that's going to work because it seems like Irving is thinking, in those situations, I'm the guy.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think – when he was on Durant, when Irving was on Durant's podcast, and I want to say October, maybe November, um, and he talked about how Durant is the first teammate he's had that he trusts outside of himself to hit a shot late in the game, which was a, that obviously drew a ton of headlines because of, of what the implications of LeBron. I think that they kind of put this pressure on themselves in these late game situations of like, well, you said that now let's see how it goes. And as you said, you know, I don't think Irving got a bad look from three, and and Durant obviously got a second chance. It was a rare opportunity for them both to get a touch. I, I think they've been very good at deferring to each other early on. You know, I mean, Durant was averaging seven assists a game before the quarantine, and, and Irving's been up there too. If you look at the, if you watch them every night, they've been very good at getting other guys involved, passing up a good shot from them for a great uh, for a great shot for another guy. They've been very unselfish and they've really been team players, but it, it, it's interesting. You know, Durant got the last shot in a loss to Charlotte in, a, in their third game of the season, and and now Irvin got it against um, Irving got it against the Wizards. Is it going to be a rotating thing? Is it going to be whoever hits more of them, they become the the incumbent? Um, you know, they they kind of put this spotlight on themselves because of that those podcast comments and. Again, on the court they've been great. Um, dealing with us, they've been great, um, and especially Durant, he's had no problems with us. And um, and that it's it's just like they kind of put this extra spotlight on themselves, and how how this continues to evolve is going to be interesting. But I agree. I when when they when they got out of that timeout last night, I too just had a gut feeling like that Irving was taking the last shot.
0: So is there, a, is there a veteran leader everybody follows and everybody listens to? Is this a case of, hey, the highest paid players and the stars are the guys? How does that dynamic work? I mean, if it gets a little sideways, is there somebody else who, you know, can talk to these guys?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, Durant and Irving have obviously been big voices on the team. Um, Jeff Green is another one that's very respected. I mean, he obviously played with Durant in Seattle um, grew up in the same county as Maryland as in Prince George's County. They've known each other for years, and he's just a respected veteran. He, he's lectured the team about defense after some recent games. DeAndre Jordan has been a, a big voice in that locker room. It's, it's vision dynamics because they obviously have these big-name stars in Durant Irving, but they also have guys like Levert and Joe Harris and Jared Allen that have been in Brooklyn since they were a laughing stock post-Kevin Garnett-Paul Pierce trade with Boston. And, and those guys have, have voices that count, too. So I, I think, obviously, it's Irving and Durant's team, but it's not like they're the only voices, and it's, it's, it's those two and then everybody else. In the locker room, I think that it, it's more balanced out than people might think.
2: So I looked you up, my man, and I saw, yep, Jersey native. Uh, born in uh, Orange, raised in Morris County. How about you?
1: I, uh, I was born in Summit, New Jersey, and I have grown up in Union County uh, my whole life,
2: Westfield. And I
1: went to high school in Middlesex. It's
2: good to talk to you, brother.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Is the Copper Onion still open in Salt Lake City? That's my favorite restaurant to go on NBA road trips. I hope they're doing well.
0: Sniggy, that's your job. Don't know. I, we will research that for you and get back to you.
1: I, I appreciate it
0: it's been, as you know, it's been a hard time. That's a tough business to be in right now.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. That's why I hope they're doing well. I tell everybody that goes to Salt Lake to eat there.
0: All right, there it is. Shout out. Uh, yeah, Yacht just looked it up. He says they're open. Good, good. There you go. Excellent. So uh, as, a, as you look around the east, assuming the Nets get it together, uh, who is the team that is viewed uh as the rival, as the team that's you got to get past. I mean, Philly's right down the road, and they're off to a great start. Toronto's now a little removed from their championship. Obviously, the Bucks have Giannis.
1: I think it's Milwaukee, especially after they acquired Drew Holiday. You know, the Nets going into the offseason, there was all this talking about, do they acquire a third star, do they not, do they go in with the team as is? And, you know, Milwaukee, I think, kind of had a similar – situation on their hands but maybe more pressure to make a deal after getting ousted by Miami in the playoffs last year so you know they they meet on Martin Luther King Day in a few weeks and I, I think that it's a it's not just a battle of the the two should-be conference title contenders but it, it's also a battle of the two decisions they made right it's the Nets have their depth but no third star and and Again, Chris Middleton. Depending on who you ask, some might not think he's a star. But the, the Bucks have like a three-headed monster of Giannis, mm. Holiday, and Middleton. Without a lot of their depth anymore because of that trade, so it's going to be interesting to see what what works and what doesn't for those two teams because they, they kind of had similar paths in the road and they each took a different one. So I think Miami, you know, the, uh, is obviously another one. You can't sleep on them with what they did last year, and then. The Nets have the fixers on Thursday, which I'm really curious to see how, how they handle that. You know, they, I mentioned the rebounding earlier. I'm, I'm really curious to see how the Nets do against Rudy Gobert with that. And, and, the, and you mentioned favors and the issues they can have on the boards from those two. And then they have beat on, on Thursday. So this is a big week for them without one of their best players to try to figure out some of their problems.
0: Well, Alex, we appreciate a few minutes, and uh, thanks for coming on and uh, talking a little uh, Nets and Jazz with us. No
1: problem, guys. Stay safe and Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year to you, too. Alex Schiffer, Brooklyn Nets rider for The Athletic, joining us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.